0: You're going to lose money if you're not prepared to learn, or if you're, if it's not something or a a domain you're interested in, but I do encourage, try everything. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Convos. And we are live again. It's been a week. I think we are finally getting things on schedule again. It's been a hectic week. And I myself have gone after editing all those episodes, getting things scheduled again. I went into another rabbit hole. So oh, okay, so that's what a, happened. I think,
1: I, I think we have going to have to upload it separately. Because it's disconnected, uh, kind of, but I think we'll, we'll upload it later. So tell me a little bit about your as well.
0: Yeah, so last week, so what happened last week? We were talking about the metaverse, we had NFT NYC, so lots of things happening in that world. And then you had announcement from like Gary P's Discord sharing stuff on Immutable X. So Immutable X is another layer blockchain to solve Ethereum's gas problems and to make NFTs more accessible tradable especially in the gaming space. So I'm not sure if they're going to do something with that later. And I kind of got multiple sources of validation for that have to look into it. So I, I'm in this telegram group as well, and they were looking at it from a trading perspective because it still got listed on FTX, it got listed on CoinList. So they had the private sales already and people got airdrop coins. So from playing games, kind of like Splinterlands, but in this case, it was Gods Unchained. And it's also a card game if you're familiar with Hearthstone. So it's very, very similar to that. And yeah, uh, very interesting in how they did it. So they have a campaign going on now. So that's what I was doing research on. So getting in early gives you advantage of future airdrop later. And speaking of airdrop, there's one I want to announce a bit later that actually happened today or this morning. So. Wait for that one. For
1: people that are watching live, or people who are listening to the recording, can you quickly elaborate on what airdrops are?
0: Yeah, so generally in the, I guess the NFT crypto space, airdrops are, are often referred to as if you hold a certain amount of token, uh, a token is an asset on a, a blockchain or a crypto, so something like. Ethereum, something like holding an NFT, like a domain name or something very simpler, or if you have app interacted with certain games, etc., and all those transactions are recorded on a blockchain. So what an airdrop entails is the developers take a snapshot, a snapshot being a, a moment in time of all those interactions. So all those addresses are people that have interacted or have held onto that specific token. And they reward them with either it could be an NFT. So you automatically get that added to your wallet, for example. So if you're talking about NFTs, Gary V had a few. So if you hold a P friend, they randomly airdrop a certain amount of NFTs to certain people. So when they open their wallet, they suddenly see another NFT in there for from another project or from the same project. Or have you
1: got an NFT drop to your address already? Airdropped you mean from? Yeah, airdropped. Yeah.
0: Yes, actually I have, uh, and this was for the impact theory founder's key. So okay. yeah, so the early backers were that key, the people who minted first. So the legendary keys got rewarded an heroic key as a reward for going early and believing in a project. So that was the reward. So they got a free Heroic added to their purchase. And that got airdropped last week to all the early buyers. Yeah.
1: Okay. Interesting. I got airdropped and stuff. Curry, limited edition, NFT for holding a certain amount of cool debt was uh, <coughs> one of around well, 17,000 people that got dropped one actually. And so it's it's interesting, but I think like early on when we got into the space, and I'm talking about maybe three four years ago, airdrops were also used for ICOs, with initial coin offerings that a company wanted to get listed and what listed. Because I think that's something that I do want to elaborate on a little bit as well, because I feel you mentioned a part of investing. And I think one of the biggest worries is like for people that are a little bit yeah, who bearish on, on the market, it's like at a certain point, it can go continuously go up. So these are things that, that, that people are really worried about.
0: Yeah, but, especially you now with the market <laughs> being at an all time high, like, yeah. everything is I think Bitcoin so yeah. so is almost 70000 now. Ethereum is almost 5000 So it is.
1: It's what's the worrisome part about it is at a certain point, the crypto prices are going to plummet. And we're not sure how much they're going to plummet. A like plummet could be like it drops 20% three times three. A plummet could be for some cryptocurrencies, for some cards, it can really drop like, to 20% of his, of his all-time high or 10% of his all-time high, or even 5% of his all-time high.
0: He was mm-hmm. 99% <laughs> I had some of yeah, it.
1: Yeah, but so. like the, the, like, but those are high risk, like those are the mean coins and those kind of things. So when you look at all the deep coins that are thriving, like, and every dog coin, like there's so many deep coins, so many coins related to the dog, especially now with Shiba or Shiba kind, and we had a guest called Bifana that. Who told us, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big believer in leaf in, in coins, but I'm going to get them some Shiba just in case. And now we can see he was actually right about it. So, uh, what I do worry about a little bit is the amount of coins in circulation, tokens in circulation. And when that inevitable kind of drop comes, what happens then? Like, how, how, where are people gonna be towards when we kind of like have this full bear market where everything just continuously goes down?
0: So I, I think it's a good idea to look at history for this because let's look at Bitcoin, for example, at a start of twenty twenty ten, uh twenty eleven were just pennies, like pennies. And the first four or five years until 2014. Yeah, it, it was just pennies. And I think 2013, 2014 was the first time it kind of got a bit mainstream and that it got a bit uh, popular that the common person kind of heard about it. And that was around the same time I heard about it. So in 2013, 2014, you had the the first all time high that was noticeable. So Bitcoin went for like 10 between 10 to $15 to around 700, 700, between 700 to 800. And the year following that in 2014, it plummeted like at least 60%. So it went back for two 320 something. And, and the mi- next big run happened in 2017. So as you pull up the chart, you can see how it progressed over the years. So he said, see that little peak there now, that's 2017 at 20,000 almost. It looks quite insignificant now compared to uh, fast forward four years now, we're in 2021. And in 2018, I felt that crash. It was a tremendous crash, almost 80%. It went from 20,000 to I think 3,000, around 3,000. So because a lot of people, especially retail investors, kind of, the regular Joe investors like you and I kind of got in at that all time high. And then something happened, people saw the price go up. So other people kind of liquidated their positions. And this kind of creates a a snowball effect. And those people who got then at that moment, I think, kind of see it in a more negative light. Now, I can't speak for all but generally perceived in a more negative light at that point. So depending on when you got in, your are either be extremely bullish or extremely bearish. And I think it is important for people to look back at the core principles of why it was invented in the first place. The people who've been here in the space from the very beginning kind of believe in the principles and concept and the problem that they try to solve. So not from an investment standpoint, but an actually use case. And now it took a life of its own. There are multiple blockchains, multiple forks, and this created community around it. We talk about community and actually use case a lot in in the show and social convos. And if you look at it from first principles, Bitcoin and any other platform or network is the same. And especially for Ethereum, in my opinion, uh, a lot of development is happening on Ethereum. So if you look at Bitcoin from you know an investment point, it kind of took the position of like what gold had, like a store of value. So the intention was peer-to-peer transaction, original white paper, so that people could directly transact with each other from all around the world. And it could be verified without having to trust a certain third party, like a bank or something. So it kind of now takes the position of gold, how people would traditionally invest in yeah, the traditional sense. But if you look at Ethereum's uh, ecosystem, for example, and that is where all of these new coins, which you were talking about, started popping up, not just in, on Ethereum, but a lot of them are based on the Ethereum network because it's so very programmable. And a lot of developers, a lot of communities kind of swarmed in that. So you have games being developed, very popular is the DeFi space, the decentralized finance. We were gonna get somebody who, you know, does a lot of research in the DeFi space, but unfortunately they had to cancel. So hopefully you can get them very soon on the podcast to kind of go more in depth on that DeFi space. And now, especially the institutions are coming in. So there's money pouring in from every direction, from gaming to social, to decentralized finance. And this is kind of putting some pressure on the Ethereum network. And of course there are other coins like the meme coins you mentioned, but for now I just want to focus on the Ethereum-based coins. And if you understand a bit how Ethereum works, there's always, and Bitcoin also, there's a transaction fee that you have to pay for every transaction. And they they call it gas or in Bitcoin, it's denominated in Satoshis, but it's a very small amount. It was a very small amount that you've kind of paid to the network. So they, you, your transaction could be validated. And now to transact Ethereum, it costs you at least $20, like converted. So back in the day, 2017, before that, it was pennies, like a few cents to do a transaction. But now with so much demand, so much traffic, the, the network is very congested and you're kind of bidding against other people to get your transaction recorded on the the blockchain. So people's- so Is it a
1: good thing or is it just like, okay, but we're going to find other, other blockchains that are more suitable for microtransactions? transactions? Because I feel like it's, yes. it's like, it's, it's, it gets to levels and that's something from a currency perspective, we don't quite know yet. Like exactly, it, it kind of makes total sense. Like you have the low budget currencies and the high end currencies and the high end currencies are for big transactions. And the low budget currencies are for like small transactions, micro transactions. So I think it's it's interesting to see because I don't know to what extent like you know, XRP and those kind of coins have been. Well, they have been touched this and they work perfectly well, well, for big transactions as well. So it's it's worth kind of becoming like a status thing. Like, why would you still mix uh, or connect your OTC to Ethereum if? It's also possible with Medic. So that's what I'm trying to understand as well. Yeah.
0: So I, I'm going to try to explain this like from my view uh, a bit and the, the understanding. I, I've gone through some le- level rabbit holes to understand the layer two a bit more. But so you said why people stick to Ethereum. So the one thing, Ethereum has been battle tested a lot. And it has the biggest amount of people developing on it as well. So, the community base is strong and the security layer is kind of one of the best popular out there at the moment. So, people already trust the network. And you have spin offs like the Binance Smart Change, which is similar to Ethereum on the Binance network. And I'm going to talk about Matic in a second, but why would someone still transact on Ethereum? Because it's kind of been, you know, it has the largest market capitalization one, and you have that trust. The problem now comes with new people coming into the network. I think the OGs still prefer Ethereum. And if if you look at their wallets, they've kind of, you know, made tremendous gains, but for people coming new to the network, the gas fees are kind of a turn off, like, especially if you're going into the NFT space where contracts started to play a role. So not just a regular transaction where you pay $20, but when contracts play a role, To verify that transaction, it costs significantly more gas. So, to give you a transaction with twenty gas transactions, that people
1: are doing this. This is
0: yeah. That that that's an extreme condition, but on average today, it averages around one hundred and fifty and two hundred and fifty dollars, denominated in US dollars, of course. And there's two parts to that. One, it inherently is more expensive because more people are on a network. So. If you denominate it in GUE in Ethereum, it's more expensive in that way. But the second factor is because the US dollar prices with the markets being at an all time high kind of inflates it. So you perceive it as much higher. So that's the second factor. If you look back, if you had the prices of 2018 where Ethereum was $300, that same amount of GUI denominated Ether would be a a few dollars maybe. But because the price is so much significant, the higher, it seems that way. But yeah, every decentralized application, application on the Ethereum network uses this. So not just the regular transactions get flooded. So if you have 10,000 apps running on this, this layer of network, the whole network becomes congested and you can't really use it for peer-to-peer transactions anymore. And this is where layer two solutions come in and layer two solutions, as they call it, are basically building up on the Ethereum layer. So it's, if you know, have some idea of how software works, you have the base layer and then so the foundational layer, and then you have another layer on top of that. So they still take advantage of Ethereum security, but they run their own like blockchain parallel to it and it's connected to ethereum so in this way they can increase throughput and i'm not quite sure how all the technicalities work but then they focus on you know being able to do gasless transaction it's especially if you're looking at it from a gaming perspective and from a trading nft marketplace perspective if you have a lot of transactions you could be able to do that on a platform like polygon or immutable x without the gas and then eventually you could transfer it back to the main ethereum network but it still gets where when you transact the tens of thousands of times you're on the, the second layer and this gets verified by this network every I now and then
1: on. so one of the things at a certain point and this is kind of it's kind of geeky but i still want to tell you because i think you're gonna find this interesting. so once when started. You um, know, every transaction, everything that ever was done during the game was put on the blockchain because it was full transparency. And like, even if you rented out a card or started a battle or finished the battle, everything would be recorded on the blockchain. And at a certain point, they were like, "But well, this is insane!" Like, you would get like maybe ten transactions uh, a minute, and then like for 100,000 to 200,000 people a day for a period of like, it was getting insane. So they decided, you know what, well, we're going to do a couple of things natively, because it doesn't make sense to do everything on the blockchain. Of course, it's nice, but at a certain point, when you start scaling it, it, it just takes up too much space, it's worse data. So I think it's really
0: yeah, interesting. Yeah, especially the data. The data is yeah. tremendous.
1: So I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the second layer options and basically, but the interesting part, aside from the tech side of it, why it's important to consider second layer solutions, the
0: The interesting part is- The economics behind it.
1: Yeah, but but the ease for people, it's like WordPress websites. Like when, like 20 years ago, if you wanted to build a website, you would have to know basic HTML, CSS, a little JS, JavaScript in some cases, at least SQL, you know, like really well, if you have to build a website, you, you had to know how, like, how a website the framework works. How you had to a style of, how style sheets work. Those kind of things you have to know that. But nowadays you don't really have to because of of our options like solutions like WordPress, and other kind of CMS systems that make it really easy for the everyday person to to create it. And basically, the same thing has happened with second layer dobits, where basically anybody in the world can kind of start an NFT project or start a token and tokenize their kind of online community. And that becomes really interesting. So I think still we have to understand where this comes from. And what I think most importantly is how cool it is that these options are now here. And the funny thing is kind of, it feels like it's not because that would be illegal, but it feels like printing euro one. And from one perspective, I think this is awesome because you're fully decentralized in finance. On the other side, there are, I mean, what? I mean, we're getting battle tested here what it looks like where you don't have regulation. So I think that's
0: that's something. Yeah. that... I, I think we bring a a valid point there, like printing your own money. And I think we 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 should zoom in on that a bit and tap in is commenting on Facebook, So. And welcome to the stream. Yeah. Now that part about printing your own money, but not just printing your own money, because if you understand the core concept of how money is created and everything through regulations and central banks, it's also a value a appreciate value that's given to that, that you would be able to buy a loaf of bread for $2 or something. And, and the same can be said for these tokens. And from another perspective, what happened in 2017, 2018, during the ICO boom, how you could see that as well, if you would draw parallels with the traditional way business and finance work is that the ICO was basically a way to buy in early into a company like venture capital or, you know, buying stocks in a company. So it's kind of not that far off from the traditional investing where people invest. And we've had this conversation with the uh, Startup Piable, for example, where You know, one in 20 investments from angel investors are like huge successes. And the other 19 are like go to zero, go to 99% fail or the company gets liquidated or whatever. So it is still very similar to how these projects, let's call them projects and companies, because they are projects and companies behind certain blockchains and coins. It's very similar in that sense. And it's just wrapped in another package. And speaking of wrapping, if, if we talk about layer two solution, it's a term we'll come across to often, like wrapping tokens. And this is another entry point on layer two. So this interoperability between, say you want to use your Bitcoin on Ethereum, but then you'd have to, uh, to convert it to Ethereum. But wrapping tokens mean, basically means so you'll see wrapped ether wrapped Bitcoin is you wrap the Bitcoin through a custodial, like a third party contract. And basically it represents the Bitcoin on that other blockchain. And then you can use that as a, as collateral or as, as an asset on that chain, but you still own the Bitcoin in its original state. So if you look at the decentralized finance, a lot of. People kind of invest in this way to get you know a yields a return on by staking, kind of like how you would save yeah. at a stock or a bank, etc. And it's getting a bit technical here because there's many layers to this economics, technolo- technology, etc. are
1: yeah, I feel that's also why people still are concerned about it being a scam because basically the stages that we're going through right now with blockchain technology. So like early ages of the banks, trying to figure out how these things work. And like, you kind of, it's always funny because they always say like, the winner writes history. And it's kind of like, yeah. we're
0: and like, And it's there it becomes its villain.
1: Yeah. So so like, it's interesting that you we kind of mentioned uh, the earlier podcast as that had sort of the other, where it was like, what it's where we actually succeed. So what were the other 19? And I think that's also, I mean, you can see like the old research, this is not financial advice, but when, when people start getting forward and really just jump into projects, which are at a all time high, that's when I'm most worried. So, because the market goes up and down, like it's, it's never continuously up and I think that's for me kind of like, I'm, I'm afraid that people, they're always, every time somebody with like. The idea behind the blockchain is that it's, that there's enough for everyone. Like, it isn't like some people win and others lose. It's the idea. What's, what's the word for
0: it? A zero sum game or a positive sum game? No, but like, actually
1: it's, it's abundance. That's, that's the way, that's mm-hmm. the way it's, it's being talked because, and that's kind of what's happening with like real life fiat as well. Like, it's like, it's never. The government saying like we're gonna stop printing money and we're work gonna work at paying our debt. It's always like creating yep. more money.
0: Let Let's talk about that fiat part uh, a, a bit. So if if you look at the data, and I, I had this question a lot over the past years before I really went all, all you know all in into researching how money works, etc. And you hear these countries have debt, you know, Suriname has a debt of so, so much million to the, the, the US or to China, but even China, even the US have, has debt to China and China has debt to the US. So then you think, who do we owe debt to? And it's kind of like how the whole economy is, is, is set up. It's kind of inflationary. There is, it keeps getting more money into circulation. And to bring this into perspective, In the last 18 18 to 20 months since the pandemic started where everything plummeted, no stock prices went down in March, 2020, 60% down or or 40% down. No one was working. People were, especially in the States were getting stimulus checks, you know. And in these past 18 to 20 months, there has been, I think 30 to 35% of all US dollar in existence has been created or printed by the federal reserve in the past 18 to 20 months, 30 to 35%, it's one third of the total supply in the world. And just that If just, just imagine that for a second.
1: So we're just not fixing the problem. The government's not fixing the problem. I think that's, that's one of the things that, that that's why people should be more interested in, in, in understanding you know, blockchain or blockchain technology works and how, how cryptocurrencies work. What the fear is that the kind of whole point that, that this technology and decentralized finance is trying to address they're trying to find a solution to it's, it's kind of slowly going the same way where maybe the price of Ethereum and Bitcoin will go up, but also things that you can buy with it, like online can really buy with it, are also going to go up. And it's, it's like, if you would buy a house in the U.S. in the 70s, or even in Sudan, if you buy a house in the 70s and you're buying the same house now, it's like, it's a huge difference in how much it's, it, it's going to cost and like rent and all kind of everything that you consume, is kind of this constantly like me, especially in Suriname with kind of the devaluation of, of Sudanese dollar, of course. We got it even worse because kind of
0: Yeah, we're double just, double inflation.
1: You're free of double inflation, but aside from that, there's actually already inflation with the US dollar. So it's like, you're getting poorer and poorer and poorer if you're not investing, And which is not, first of all, it's not fair because basically you're telling to everybody that's, that finds investing tricky, that if you don't invest, good luck to you because you're only going to be at the right race forever and ever. So that's the first issue that I have. And then the second issue that I have is even if these people get into, in, into in those phases, mm-hmm. you already also are at a disadvantage because of the internet connection, because of access to finance in general. So it's, it's yeah, sorry for me, it's, it's tricky. I, I, don't, I don't like it at all because we're I, I I, I, running circles here.
0: I, I do see where you're coming from, like uh, the, the access part and, you know, access to finance. But I think this brings a disruption in the the status quo because previously people were kind of trapped in the bubble or the zip code they were born in. So Suriname here, if you were in a city in the States, you were, you know, confined to the rules of that area. If you are in Europe, confined to the rules of the EU. And... To transact internationally, you had to go through so many loops, but I think the disruption that the, the boom in blockchain and Bitcoin has brought is aside from getting that initial access, it has made people more conscious and aware for seeking alternatives and kind of circumventing the traditional means where they were like heavily limited by local let's say regulations or restrictions, you could do business with somebody in, you know, Cambodia from here and transact and kind of that's kind of being in one world. So I think that's a positive that this brings, but I, I do see where you're coming from, kind of going back in the way society works and eco- economist economy's world. It's,
1: I'm to give you mention like. It's, it's been less than a month ago that I spoke at a social media conference and I brought up all many opportunities local Chinese people have to earn money from now at a much higher rate internationally just go by going online with all kinds of different online work from Upwork to actually earning earning crypto. And there are so many opportunities. But I feel like after I said that, I've only had more and more people come up to me that actually want to live and work abroad. So you're going to give off an opportunity to live in Surda, which is relatively cheap to other countries, where you basically can earn the same income as anybody else in the world, as long as you're really good at your craft. You want to give up that to actually go to a country where your cost of living is way, way, way high.
0: I, I do have a question. Did the, the yeah. people that came up to you and said, you know, they wanna live and work abroad were are they more people that have been abroad before and have experience living abroad before or are they both, still both both. I don't I, I wouldn't count uh, the distributions.
1: I, I mean like almost equally. I mean okay. it's both yeah. people that have actually lived and grew up outside and people that have kind of never been or just like one or two times so i think it's i don't i don't think there is a clear distinction there i just i think it i the only distinction i can make it are actually people that they they are skilled like it's not like they live off paychecks and they day they, they go for handouts these are like people that know that actually their skill will be more valued outside
0: sure student- in, in that case i do feel like it, it's less a case of personally, I do feel like that's less a case of, you know, the economics, but more of they've hit a like wall or they had a
1: ceiling. They had a ceiling.
0: Here. Here. Yeah. Just you hit it with the bad.
1: Just, and I think it's especially from a salary pers- perspective because like there is a ceiling for a dozen US a month as a salary. Like, yeah. if you want to get above a thousand US a month as a salary in Suriname, you either have to have like all the, you have to have the right CV, you have to have everything that from, from masters, like you've graduated your masters and uh, you have five years plus experience and you're the best in your field. Or that's one scenario or the other scenario you've put there. Like through connections, whether it's political or family that puts you in that position that you can earn that amount of money. Basically, it's two. Those are kind of the options that I see for people that want to earn that kind of money instead them. and there are people of course, like you mentioned that have lived abroad, has, have experience, know what it's like to make at least 2,000 euros or US dollars a month. And they feel like they should earn that here as well. And that kind of is a problem because it's small you that easy to do that or, or to find companies. Basically you have to work for the biggest companies in Suriname to get like
0: that, that kind of salary. And even or that get, fractional.
1: Yeah. And, and, and so, and there are others that really are like, but these are my plans for the future. I want to build a home. how in the world I'm only going to build a home if I earn a couple of hundred dollars a month. Like, like, how realistic is it? Like.
0: Yeah. So, so just for perspective again, so in, in one of the Capital Con, both me and Greg actually looked into some data, not sure how accurate it is, but just kind of aggregated data, public data from every country in the world. And you know, the cost of living, cost of a latte, cost of, etc. forgot what the website is on top of my head, but. It should be in one of the Capital Converse episodes that we'll be releasing, I think in the next few weeks. But it, on that data set, it was around, if you'd look at the average that uh, a rough average that the average uh, Surinamese makes per month would be around $300, which is not a lot. It's about 6,000, 7,000 SRDs. And there's people that still, have two or three thousand if you look at it from that perspective. So, yeah, that that kind of springs. It's
1: just a normal starter salary. I mean, like well, most starters, like people that just sort of, they don't get three hundred dollars even. So, yeah. I think that's that's something that. And then ten years ago, the six thousand SOD. I mean, ten years
0: yeah, ago it was a thousand, like fifteen
1: hundred. it was, was fifteen hundred, yeah. almost two thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, that's just, that's how insane seen, seen it is. 6,000 SSDs 10 years ago was close to 2000 US dollars. Now it's close to 300 US dollars. I mean, that's, that just by six, by 10, it's the fine. It's almost you're like, you're only worth a 10th of logical work. Like people now have to explain. To like their parents or like their uncle or grandfather, like you can't save your money in SODs. You just can't. You're just losing in every in every possible way. You're losing it. I mean, it's not being a national. I think that's that's also the thing. That's yeah, like you're telling your your citizens, like you have to be a nationalist. You have to think yeah. in terms of the local currency. And meanwhile,
0: even, even the U.S. dollar, it's losing value. And what I find funny is then people refer to, you know, yeah, you have this, why don't we dollarize, et cetera. But even the U S dollar is losing value in purchasing power. People can't buy that car 10 years ago with the same money now in denominated in U S dollar. And that's where the alternatives come in, like kind of retaining that purchasing power. So, and that's where the rise in stocks comes in and. Why people kind of rush now into cryptocurrency because oh they see gains, but aside from gains the the more I'd say financially responsible and literate kind of see it as a way to hedge kind of their wealth into a safety mechanism like that it doesn't depreciate as fast as staying in your local currency or in the US dollar for example and then only take out what they need for living, etc. So that's where investing comes in. And speaking of all these alternatives, yes, it, it, you mentioned a lot of opportunities for a lot of people, but you need to do the research. You need to do the work and it, 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 be it with job, with everything, understanding kind of what you're getting yourself into is key to this because there's opportunities with everything, but you don't see me going into the oil opportunity because I don't know what the I don't care and I don't know about the oil industry, even though it's kind of booming right now. My focus is kind of on gaming, gaming platforms, what opportunities are there, kind of more technologically investing. Obviously, there will be spin offs in kind of, you know, it has overlap. But because it isn't my core or something I'm interested in, there's opportunity there, but it's kind of not for me. I'd rather direct my attention and time and resources into something that I truly care about. So that's kind of coming back at the start of this conversation. I went into the rabbit hole on what opportunities there are. So I'm, I'm, I've been looking into, you know, we have the example of Splinterlands, play to earn gaming, etc. The gaming industry, believe it or not, is one of the biggest industries, biggest of coming industries out there right now. And aside from earning from a consumer side, but. Development side, there's job opportunities for development because if you need, if you want great games, you need developers, you need graphic artists, you need storytellers. It's kind of a whole multimedia company, and it's The story becoming more complex. Really interesting. The story becoming more complex, complex and complex. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's. I mean, it's like we don't realize all much that matters, like, the and these are kind of opportunities that we're not. And that's the next question I want to ask. Like, how can people find? I mean, the artist like put in the work. But like, putting the work is not very fair to some people who've never been able to pass the threshold because there is a threshold. Like, people don't yet, like, just with social media, like, people still don't understand that you don't have to go on Facebook. Like, it's the same example, example that you mentioned with the oil and gas industry. You don't have to be. Everybody's like, are they gas? Are they gas? You have to because you're always going to lose from people who have been in the oil gas industry for longer and have more experience and have been through certain uh, situations before. Well, unless you're really talented and really hardworking, why do you like the
0: unicorn? Yeah, you, you, it will take time to get to that level as well. Yeah, there will be a lucky but break between now with you, them.
1: There will be some unicorns, but. Like thinking like, that's going to be me though. It's going to be like five companies that like local growth companies that make it. Yeah. Five, 10 others that don't. So from that perspective, also, I think people still are not aware that you shouldn't only be on Facebook. Like, of course, it's the best place to start. It's the easiest way to get exposure because your family and friends are there. It's the biggest platform and that's a warm thing. But like on the other side, maybe like the people you know on Facebook, don't share the similar interest that you have, but our other platforms, they do. And all of a sudden you start realizing, like, wait a minute, for crypto, for instance, I mean, I can talk i it on Facebook, but why I don't talk is because Twitter. No, interaction. Twitter is a much better. No, I actually, I actually get more interaction on Facebook than I would get on Twitter. But still, I feel like there are too many people on Facebook that are not interested in it encrypted. So let's not do that on Twitter. What well, Twitter is actually, and even on Twitter, you get rewarded for it. So, and, and that's another thing people don't realize yet, how, how the monetization comes. And it's kind of always been that for YouTube as well. Like a lot of people ask me like, how can I make money on the internet? And it's always thinking of Facebook and YouTube. It's always kind of those, it's like, how can I make money? And then when they find out, like, you need a thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours, kind of the conversation kind of slowly dies off. It's like nobody has ever told me, like, okay, I know that's the deal breaker. I will be able to make it. But you can kind of look at the conversation, all oh, it's going after you mention, like, sorry, but you need a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of watch time. And at the point that you realize how hard it is to get to those thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of watch time, much time, and people are looking like a Mr. Beast and kind of people that have millions of subscribers, but they're not realizing how much effort they're whacked into to them. Because if you would effort to get to 10,000 subscribers, you know, all it's seen the mode of work you had to put in to get a million. And there are some exceptions. Like for instance, if your brother already has a million subscribers, and he says, my younger brother's also. Yeah. But I will forget, forget. No, but don't, don't forget, forget that if Diego has a million subscribers and he kind of shows me out, and I get a hundred thousand subscribers in two days, I still have to put out content that people are willing to watch because there are a lot of hundred thousand subscriber YouTube pages, YouTube channels that when they post a video, it doesn't even get a dozen views. So I mean. The, the, the idea that things come easy, that's always the case. And then I think what's interesting is that people don't, are not really aware. If they're not aware about it in social media, they're also not aware about it. that how the, how the blockchain and the the world is kind of big down. where you can just, if you have something you're really interested in, you're going to find it on the blockchain. You're going to find a community. And if you commit to that community. That community is going to help you grow and you're going to build together and got to grow together. But you first have to put in the work to find it. And I think we're not really already understanding the opportunities. I mean, I look at the question that evidence that we haven't pulled up. Is it possible to make our own blockchain or token maybe for our own material? It's, it's been in the words now for I think, two, two months. Two months ago, we were really serious and started considering, bringing out a token, the Sudanese token, not necessarily just a token for sure now, but a token that you can actually pay with. But also I think the biggest thing for me or where we're still in discussion about it is I don't want to have it listed about exchanges. I just want a token that people can actually exchange for goods for services as like Oh well, more like
0: yeah, yeah. I'm like,
1: kind of like it, it being a commodity instead of being one in order to be a currency, I wanted it to be able to be exchanged for goods, and basically that's the idea behind
0: but that was- then therein lies the gap then adoption and acceptance and having that perceived value and you know accepting it as a Unit or asset. So there, there's there's two reasons.
1: What fully buying into it myself. The first reason being, once it gets listed, we could see a big dump.
0: Usually, that's that is the case. So uh, I, I mean, right. it's
1: built up too big, and like the coins like worth five hundred dollars per coin, and it gets listed, and he everybody immediately starts off to the coin because they're like, wow, I'm rich. Although so that's one worry. And I think the the second worry for me, it becomes a currency and like I I, I still I'm not sure if I want it to be a currency, but if I don't make it a currency, if it you seem like it's not exchangeable or exchanges
0: it it, ha- it should have that fungibility.
1: Yeah, because otherwise it gets into level M&M sleep, You know? So yeah. that's also like so, 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 and then that, Rajiv asked the question, is the stablecoin we solution? No, because the stablecoin, again, once again represents like this less stable entity.
0: Yeah, um, back to the US dollar. So it kind of follows that value and you assume there is liquidity for it. Kind of going back to the traditional example, you'd assume that the, you know, the local currency, the US dollar and, or the SRD, is backed by a vault of gold in the bank. So that's how you, you could see the stablecoin. I it think that's interesting. interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. The is interesting. So Hive has its own stablecoin, Hive well, dollar, which is HPD, and they have like a full mechanism to make sure that it stays around one dollar. But even there, sometimes something extreme happens and it jumps into dollars. Like those kind of things happen.
0: That systems for you. People will try to yeah. wheel. So people gotta,
1: gotta try to bring the system. So I think that's one of the main concerns because if we do something like this is also something that I have to accept. Like you wanna do it for for your country. Like we wanna do it for sure. But once you realize that your own like local community doesn't believe in it. But actually people all around the world do. At a certain point you're gonna try to understand like are I just gonna be a border for my own community, like a local community where I live? Yeah, or I bad, like got accept the fact that there might be a similar sized population all across the globe that believes and which to, to, to invest in you as well. Like at a certain point you're just gonna have to make that whole decision, like right. what are you gonna do nationalists? kind of chauvinistic perspective? And what are you going to do from? Like, where are you really getting the support from? So that's, I think, is also a different yeah. question.
0: Adding to that, it's, this brings back that part of decentralization, because if you're going to localize, you're basically centralizing in a local cluster. And if you want to get the economy rolling, you need income or sort of from outside, I think that is the, you know, the, yeah. the most practical way to get velocity of, you know, I, do I call it money currency? With your, within and,
1: that's, and that's, so here's, here's the other thing though. If you don't have a central bank in place, basically you can't take ownership or partnership of, you can't tax cryptocurrency, you just can't, because it doesn't belong. The so there's no country that can actually say, you can't tax crypto courts. but still somehow the Western countries are already taxing crypto courts. Yeah.
0: They, they are taxing the cap, the gains, like in the U S it's like 40% or something.
1: Yeah. wasn't I mean, like, here's the thing. You can capture the gates as a, as a country, unless people cash out to f- the to fiat.
0: Yeah. It, it's unrealized.
1: So. I mean, that's, that's one thing. So I mean, like as a country, you can't play something, which is not for any way related to your country. And also your country has in no way supported or helped out the development of it. So, I mean, that's, that's already where kind of the system breaks quickly to jump into, to reduce the cover. So I think Kevin Staple going to be on list Diego.
0: With this comes the question then, it's unlisted, it's an unlisted stable coin. Where do you get the liquidity from? Yes. What is it? You know, you, you need market makers, people to kind of stake. So kind of maybe some people have a huge investment and they put that liquidity kind of like a bank would, but as a private individual, private retailer, you need a liquidity pool to be able to ensure that the stable coin actually stays stable. Because if it's the if it becomes illiquid, you and you ca- kind of have this, there's this thing called bank, a, a bank rush, if you Google that, I think there's an example from the England in in the uh, a few hundred years ago, there was a bank rush, etc. So you'd get that situation where everybody would want to get their uh, money out. And due to illiquidity, the whole thing crashes again. Th- there's a lot of mechanism here. So it is not as simple as that. And you have all these things you have to play with. But on the brighter side, coming back to, you know, the opportunities. And I, I spoke of the airdrops. We talked about the airdrops in the beginning. And if we combine that with the opportunities, I would encourage. Okay, so here's the thing. People often ask me, you know, I want to start investing. I want to get into crypto. And I say, don't, don't do it. You're going to lose money if you're not prepared to learn. Or if you're if it's not something or a domain you're interested in. But I do encourage try everything. So, with a little bit that you have on the side, interact with Ethereum, interact with Bitcoin, interact the wallet, see how it works. It might cost you a few hundred dollars in gas if you're taking Ethereum, for example, but it, it, some, some things is a lesson. So, try maybe Polygon, something or Solana, which is in the pennies. Just get familiar with that interaction. And maybe you try 20, 50, 100 of these, and three of them you know, actually hit and people adopt it and you can get things like airdrop. So I was talking about a big airdrop uh, in the beginning and I've kind of shared with uh, you guys the, the, the domain things. So if you go on Twitter, you'll see everybody with an eat domain in their username, vfriends.eath or, you know, mitchell.eath or uh, eat. So that's basically a representation or a easy way for people to interact with your wallet address. So like, like you would have for websites, it's an online address. That's kind of, and you have this Ethereum name surface where you could register your ETH domain. And this airdrop happened today, this morning. So if you had, I think last month before the month started, if you had purchased or, or interacted, purchased a ENS domain or a .eth domain before October last month and have held on to it or bought it for many years, you would be eligible for their airdrop because they have the snapshot. And that airdrop on average, when it went live on the exchanges, et cetera, et cetera. On average people, the value of that airdrop was minimum 3,000, 3,000 to $5,000. People just got in their wallet through that project airdrop because they were like implementing a DAO, a Decentralized Autonomous, Autonomous Organization to vote. So if you had interacted with the system, you had the right to vote. And that was your kind of token to show how much, you know, weight your vote has. And that's get traded. So people so I've
1: lucky that I just got airdrop thousands so of dollars.
0: And Another popular one was in 2020, not. Uniswap. Uniswap was yeah. also Uniswap was big, but Uniswap, yeah, in what,
1: Uniswap came in a time that I really had, st- I still have limited understanding of decentralized finance, but I had really, really limited understanding of.
0: So, me, me too. So I, I actually, I, I said like, screw it, I'm just going to interact with it and see what happens. And yeah, well, once you get better on that. That's another thing, like how much time, it was, because you can get totally lost
1: in this place.
0: You do, you can. So
1: like, what is healthy is like, okay, I'm gonna make it my side also. a fine, like 10, 10 hours, twenty hours a week of this, would that be a fair way to start out?
0: It, it, it depends on your interest and level of, I, I can't really denominate it in hours because different people have different ways of understanding things. And for example, the layer two solutions, uh, It took me, I've watched videos a year ago about it, and I didn't get it. And I thought over that year, I rewatched different videos. And only I think this month, I've kind of gotten a better grasp of it. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen it so many times told in different ways. But also because I went and interacted with the interface myself to see to get that aha moment. So it really depends on how much hands-on time you have on it but also consuming media from different sources to kind of formulate in your head synthesize what it means for you. So that's how I would see it. So for me for example now I'm kind of exploring you uh, you're deep into splinterlands and honestly the, the from a gaming perspective close very really close deeper than me at least in splinterland yeah. but from gaming perspective, Splinterland isn't really a gameplay type for me, but there are tokenomics, economics in, in it with collectability. But for example, I tried Gods Unchained last week and I went into the Drabble hole and I, I loved Hearthstone when it was, you know, before Blizzard crashed and burned. So it's very similar to Hearthstone, but now you kind of have ownership and there's, they're doing this on a layer two solution called Immutable X, which is also you know, a, a layer on top of the Ethereum network and kind of, especially for games where you have so many assets, like cards, items, etc., that you could exchange and you have that ownership now. So I I would, think it's
1: the same with Axie, right? But I think Axie is also more of a part kind of game-like.
0: Axie well, is something I, I didn't really go too deep, but if, if you're into the Pokemon capturing type or, or raising yeah. pets, it's just kind of like that more. So it's, you uh, got to find your jam. So even in gaming, there is, you know, a, we, we mentioned the example of oil and gas, but we, even within just gaming, there's interest and not interest. So focus on what, you know, really speaks to you. And that's kind of, it's also an understanding of layer two.
1: Yeah. Because also the mode of time, because I'm doing a bigger football, like like there are blockchain games actually that are tailored to what I'm interested in. But then you get into the uh, like if you look from an investing perspective, I made a really bad investment last year because I put in like 1500 hive into D-City.
0: Yeah,
1: imagine if I had put that 1500 hive last year into Splinterlands.
0: Yeah, Splinterland, but-,
1: but but here's the thing about that as well I put that 1500 hive into uh, DC. Because I love SimCity. I mean, I grew up with SimCity. So for me, the, the input, the things I thought about were, for me, far more interesting to jump into D-City than compared to, to Splinterlands. But even now, I don't have the time. Now I've shifted. Like, in the past week, I started finally, I, sell, I sold a, a D-City card last week for 40 bucks. So that was kind of already kind of great big deal because I rarely play City like actively, but I started realizing like, there are a lot of things that I can do on uh, dcity that are actually going to help me kind of build, but it's just that the investment part has taken so much over compared to the things you like. And that's also one of the things that the people are so interested. Make sure you also do it because you like it. So for me personally, like I have I own over 200 moments now on the NBA top shop. And this is the point where I'm like, wait, but instead of owning like 10 moments that I really don't care about, why don't I purchase that moment that really is close to my heart because I watched that person play in real life or I grew up watching that person play. So these things so slowly are starting to take, but there's so much in the financial uptake of the investing that it kind of. It, it kind of rips you into two pieces. One saying like, this is why I love it. And the other saying like, this is where the world is. So I think that's for me still one thing that it feels too much still like, how do I effectively propose everything instead of doing this because I love
0: it. Yeah, Yeah. That, that's, that's a journey you'll have to test out yourself, but I I'd say, you know, diversify and test. But definitely if, if something's not your cup of tea, especially if it's, you know, gaming side, tokenomics, don't, don't, don't go further into it because you're basically going to be digging your own grave. And as we said, with the the metaverse conversation, the, the NFT, at the end of the day, assume that it can go, can result into nothing. Assume that it is an investment into a business, into a company that it can go to nothing. And at the end of the day, you can still own a pretty cool JPEG. And that's something you'll like.
1: We do it for the JPEG. We're doing it for the JPEG.
0: Hey, in uh, on Twitch says, Square Enix was thinking about getting into this space. So yeah, I, I saw this announcement of Square Enix. And for those of you who don't know, Square Enix is one of the biggest game developers based in Japan, in the world. They make AAA titles like, you know, the Final Fantasy series, uh, Dragon Quest, Tomb Raider. So they are huge and they did put an announcement, like they are looking into blockchain technology and gaming, but I don't see big companies like this moving into the space as the indie developers are right now. I think it will still take at least a few five to 10 years before you see them fully integrated, especially with their existing IPs, intellectual properties. So what. One way to look at it is like, oh, there is interest, and now would be a time to prepare, to educate, to get familiar with the space for when these triple A companies enter the space completely, and that you are ready. And you can look at how they, from a gaming perspective, game development and game creation perspective, on how they do development, story writing, graphics, and look into look into similar qualities. That they It might not be as polished as these companies with huge budgets but look into the, you know, basic gameplay loops. And that's how you would be able to find similarities. And that's where you could find something you like and an investment opportunity. So that is how I would go about looking at, you know, gaming from that perspective. But yeah, I see you got something to pop up. as we yes, we're kind
1: of going, going towards closing out. So have you, have you actually...
0: I, I did open the link you sent me, so I, I scrolled okay. down, but I didn't really read through it yet. So this is... The coming week, right? I think.
1: Yeah, this so this is. is this 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 Friday and, and Saturday as Hive Fest is the sixth edition. So Hive is a yearly event. It used to be, of course, it used to be like a, a all new life event. Like people will travel all over the world to meet up other people that are on the Hive ecosystem. And they of course talk about the developments of where everything is going. And the thing is awesome that I think what's cool is that it's kind of a metaverse kind of thing. It's also called return to the metaverse because they did it last year and the the space they do it on is outspace VR. So if you have a virtual reality headset, you can actually jump onto this event and experience everything in 3D with your own avatar. But people like me, for instance, that don't have that and work on a Mac and outspace L- is not really built in for desktop Mac yet. So I had a big fight today. I actually ended up creating an outface Alt- account with a 23-year-old tor- email address. Like my first Hotmail email address. Back you in- that? Yes. I still have access to my 1998 email ad- Hotmail email address. Yes. I've lost access to all mails that were sent and everything. Yes, of course, that's gone. But I have been able to consistently recover my nineteen ninety-eight email email address. And I had to actually use that. And I actually had to use that to create an outspace account through Microsoft. And that's something that really kind of it didn't upset me where I was like, we're so far in a decentralized world. But we're still celebrating it on a platform where I have to go to the Microsoft store to kind of install this on a computer that I usually don't use, but it doesn't work on properly on Mac, or at least it keeps crashing on my Mac. or because probably my Mac doesn't have the right specs. So, and then of course, you know that uh, Facebook with Oculus. So if you have an Oculus headset, of course, you can also jump into that.
0: So uh, yeah, it's called uh, Meta Quest
1: now. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. I see say Oculus it's, it's like with street games in certain, we don't change, we don't change to the due date because we think it's nonsense and we changed it. So, so I actually was able to, to get into OutSpace, created a account, and luckily I'm getting some help from, from Rula who is basically the big motor behind this, and we'll be able to test because Otherwise, I'm not sure I would be part of the event if, it, if there was no testing involved. But I think the really cool part is all the people that are speaking, like they call me dad and at CRIM are really, and block trades of course are, and oh, these are like really the people who have made made the difference on on Hive, Stakers, Wolf, these are like, and of course, Splinterlands is speaking as well, Crypto Room which is also a, a pretty, pretty awesome game that left awesome has a beer Saturday competition where they, every Saturday you can write about beer. Working Mark is one of the biggest, most well-known people on the platform. So there are a lot of people speaking at his you know, who has really helped develop the the Latin, the uh, Spanish community as well. And that somewhere down here, I also follow. And there's a reason behind
0: this. Why do you uh, have a default avatar?
1: I have a default avatar because I've only today made my avatar and I haven't synchronized uh, it yet to to this website. So it's something that I have to do, but there are a lot of speakers. I think the program will be announced very shortly, but you can get it free. I'm not sure if you can still get it free because you had to register before November 5th, but it, it's, for me, it's really interesting that Less than a month ago, I spoke about this space and the metaphor space at the social media conference. And now I'll be speaking in the metaphors about traditional social media. And I won't be speaking actually, it's more like the Hive chat that will go live during the event as well. And the Hive chat is something that I co-founded in last year, I think about 60 something weeks ago. And if we're talking about things that we have been doing weekly, this is another thing that has gone out weekly ever since we started out. So basically, I think July of last year, we founded HiveChat, which I did together with with Stella. Stella Bell was a very, is still a very renowned person on Hive, but especially on the platform before it, but she was really somebody that I looked up to. And then I, when I started posting about, yeah, I want to do tweet chat, a weekly tweet chat on Twitter. She really was the one that helped out. And actually the first three months, she took full control of it and then handed it over to me. It worked for, I did it for three months. And then Tracy Yard was kind of like, she's like the article on, on Hive supporting all the projects. She has been supporting me ever since. So starting the beginning of this year, or actually December of last year up until now, she's kind of the big voter behind it. I get all the credits, like I'm the initiator, I've co-founded it. I'm getting a lot of credits, but she's actually the one that's making sure that it's up and running every week. And so it's fun that traditional media is also getting a place kind of in, in the metaphor in, in the blockchain as well. Uh because it really helped ha- 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 yeah it helps you know, the the Twitter marketing and uh, Twitter marketing for Hive as well. And even though it's not as big as I want it to be, so I am not sure if I'm gonna put in one slide of roadmap as well, because I think most speakers when they speak, they will give a roadmap on where it's going with development. And even though it's there's not that much to develop like from a technical perspective, but I mean, there are so many opportunities how we can improve this and make it bigger, but I really have to step out of my, my comfort zone. And, I think one of the things that I'm also worried about is I do it voluntarily and I don't want it to become like a business because it will take away from kind of the concept and the idea why we're doing it. The fun. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, if you're on high, High Fest is around the corner. Join us for High Fest. I mean, it's gotta be awesome. All the, all the people that I look up to will actually be, be speaking.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm definitely too- interested. I'm, I'm going to yeah. pick it up. So, link me up after this, definitely.
1: Yeah. So, basically, it's high fast. Maybe we can put a battery uh, just for this once.
0: Yeah, as you write in the banner. Yeah. So, I, I think that is really cool. And yes, one month ago speaking, and a few months ago, you also had the, the, the speaking engagement on, on an international field virtually, locally here, and now in the metaverse. So, there's opportunities coming back to you know doing something I like mean, I mean most people don't notice it
1: but like I'm silently putting Suriname also kind of keeping the wind fast with 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 it as well because I think people really don't know a lot so one of the interesting things about Hive chat I really want to quickly jump into is that Hive chat has gone the hashtag HiveChat chat has been trending before. Like it has been trending in Venezuela, for instance, not because of the Hive Chat that actually we started, but the Hive Chat in in Espanol, which is run by Victoria and they run it out of basically all of the Latin, uh, Spanish-speaking countries also have people that that host that Hive Chat because that's also one of the interesting things, File Red, the the idea about the Hive Chat is that somebody else hosts it every week. So we don't have like one person hosting it every week. But everybody on the blockchain, everybody in the Hive ecosystem has the opportunity to apply to post the Hive chat and they can come up with their own five questions, ask those questions and the community. If you want to promote something within the community, you can do it there. If you want to just have feedback on your project or your gap that you're doing, you got to get it. You can get it there. So I think that's really one of the most beautiful things. And the best part is like the Spanish community said, like, give it to us. You're going to do it on Tuesday. We're going to do it on Thursday. And they've actually been uh, trending topic on Twitter in Venezuela multiple times. So that's pretty cool as well. So what I've managed okay. to do quickly, as I'm gonna quickly share my screen again, what I've managed to do is find a way to kind of get everybody involved. So as you can see with the announcement tweet, this was last week's announcement tweet. What we try to do is kind of put in every, every country in the world we want to be, everybody in the world, we want to be able to, to get to join in. And what happens is, like, for instance, this was a, a Hive chat that was at 8, 8 p.m. agreement with time or UTC, universal time code. So that's already a problem because if you look, if you're looking at this, you're going to see like that India, people in India and in the Philippines, but also if you're joining in for Australia or New Zealand, it's early in the morning and you won't be able to join in it. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we've had, finding a time space that everybody can actually participate in, in it as well. But if you though, look closely at the tweet, you will see that the Surinamese flag is in there. Yeah,
0: that's I kind can. of a like, yeah.
1: yeah, so that's kind of like a, a, a token of appreciation and kind of like little branding thing that people can see. Like, And then these, these, these flags are chosen on, on kind of purpose. There's a. Quite big Nigerian community, and we've had somebody from Nigeria as well who has been a hive chat host. Uh, there's also a big Indian, uh, Bangladesh community. There's a very big community from the Philippines, South, Southeast Asia, and the UK and the US make a lot of sense, and then Venezuela and Mexico because of the Spanish speaking community as well. So it's kind of interesting how these kind of flags came into Donald's post, which actually happened like. Well, I think only yeah. a half a year after we started, we started putting that in as well.
0: Lots of developments there, but yeah, definitely you saw the link hype fest. Probably when this episode's out, it's been, it's been, yeah, uh, it's the, gonna be fast. But yeah, you'll you'll probably make a recap post on hype itself of of the event. I have to, to get back into it daily. So something. I really have to get back into daily. You'll get updated, and if not, I'm gonna do one more thing. On
1: but this is for the people that are tuning in live. Go to twitter.com slash NFTs because we're going to do a giveaway again. Uh, it's going to be Splinterlands giveaway. And yeah, if you want to get easy, if you want to get into NFTs, if you want to get into crypto, like there's so many people that are willing to give you stuff for free just because they're generous and they find it fun to give people stuff as well.
0: Yeah, just to share the experience. Yeah. I think that's also part of it.
1: Yeah like it's it's less common now <laughs> It's less common now with with actual money but but still it also is for people like if you've had like a really big success you want to share your success yep. with others as well so basically gifting NFTs is an NFT giveaway uh twitter account which is not running weekly yet but um, we're trying to get it as close to weekly as possible to every week to have giveaways there and i do want to because of High Fest, I'm actually going to announce the winners of the of this during High Fest. But yeah, if you're interested in getting free NFTs, just just have a look at it.
0: Awesome. So I think that's a good place to close this off. And everyone, thanks for tuning in, hanging out with us while we talk about the metaverse. So we should have everything is scheduled. I said that last week, but I think this week for sure. So we should have some guests again by next week. We actually had guests for today, but to some unforeseen circumstances, they had to cancel, but no worries, guests or no guests, we show up weekly. That's the commitment we make. So you can expect us again next week. Thanks for tuning in. This audio version will be available on all on the website and all podcasting platforms. With that being said, look, close up.
1: This was Social Conference. See you again next week, same place, same time. Bye-bye.